Good morning. So those who don't know me, my name's Joel. It's a treat to be with, to have all of you here. Of all the things you could be doing on a Sunday morning, you're here with us. And it's, you've picked a great week, actually. So this is the kind of third week. We've done a little vision series. We talked two weeks ago about prayer. Last week, we talked about our vision and how we get involved with serving. And today, we're talking a little bit about money. Yes. So um, you can fall off the horse either way uh, as, as kind of churches and talk about money far too much. Or you can talk about money never. And we try our best to be somewhere in the middle. So we talk about money on two Sundays a year. There's 50 Sundays where we don't, and there's two that we do. So turn to the person next to you and say, yes, we picked a great week. Yes. <laughs> Actually, though, we joke about it, but, but I'm, we're not embarrassed to talk about money and to talk about Jesus' teaching on money and, and God's perspective, because actually... I believe that what God says about money is every bit as life-giving as his teaching on anything else, on forgiveness, on grace, on salvation, on morality. So why shouldn't God's teaching on money be just as great for us, um, lead to such abundance in our lives as any of those, those other areas do? So it's with great joy and delight. In fact, actually, um, when you scratch around a bit, you find that, the, that the, some of the things Jesus said about money are backed up by evidence. There was a study done uh, 10 years ago at the University of Harvard in in America, and they did a study. They're trying to connect the the use of how people spend money, so how people spend money and and how it compares with happiness. They they did a study, and they found out that actually there's no connection between spending money and happiness, except when you give it away. They found that, and so they did a thing where... um, they tested bonuses where some people got bonuses of a few thousand dollars, some people got bonuses much larger. No difference in happiness except for the percentage of which they gave away. Jesus says it, but we see it, 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 it happening. It backed up with um, real research. And then the Bible talks about really three different types of, of, of giving. It talks about tithes, which is an idea that Every month you give from what you get to, to, to the church. And if you're not part of that and Pat and Church is your home, I'd love you to have a little think about that, if, if, whether God's inviting you to, to, to be part of it that way. Um, the other one is, is, I always say this wrong, I always say it like alms, alms. Like when people are having a really tough time and you help them out, you give towards that. If there's some sort of crisis and we give towards that, that's part of what we see given in, in the Bible. But we also see offerings. So in the Old Testament, when, um, when God's people wanted to build a tabernacle, a big posh tent where God's presence would be, they all gave an offering towards that. Similarly, when, when they got somewhere proper to live and they built a temple, they gave an offering towards that. And you see that in the New Testament, when, um, when there were new ministries happening or people sent out into new places, the church took offerings to give to that. And that's a little bit about what we're going to be doing today. And we're talking a bit around our church building. Now, we love being here in the platform. It's a brilliant space. We love our train. There's lots that's fantastic about it. Um, but it is quite a lot of work. And we have to get in. We have to set up. And there's things, there's things that we can't do. It's not, it's not a hub for ministry. It's not a place that people know and come to. So the Diocese of Bristol, which is we're an Anglican church, if you didn't know that. And we're part of the Diocese of Bristol. And um, a couple of years ago... Um, the, the, the bishops in Bristol thought, wouldn't it be great if we resourced a church 
to, to a new church to start in Swindon that had a heart for those on the outside that was going to train up new leaders, that were going to try and engage with, with younger people, that was going to plant churches into other churches around the town. And um, it's part of a kind of national strategy called Resourcing Churches. And um, they thought, could we get one in Bristol, no, in, in, in Swindon, Bristol Diocese, in Swindon. And, um, and, and they got in touch with HTB, which is a family we're part of. And they, and they bought this amazing building just down the road um, called the Pattern Store. For, for, for those of you who are Swindon people, built in um, 1897 to house patterns for the Swindon Railways. Patterns are like, they're kind of like wooden molds that you'd use to make engine parts. And it was operational for about 90 years until 1986 when it stopped. And you might have known it since then. Um, I, I've met a number of people who went to, the, went, went to the bar when it was Butler's in the Buff in, um, in Botolinos. I, I, won't, I won't get you to put your hand up if you went along to that. It's been a bar. It's been a restaurant. And um, now it's going to be a church. It's going to be a church. It's going to be a home for us to, to, to kind of live out our calling and ministry as a family together. And, um, and the Diocese of Bristol bought it for us. And... Um, and they, along with uh, the Central Church and um, Church Commissioners and some other charities, have raised a whole bunch of money towards it. They're up to about, and, and a few other local businesses also have got involved, and they've raised up to, about, it's about two million pounds that's been raised towards a refurbishment so far, which is exciting. There's a little gap left as well still in that. But then, as part of that, we've got a part to play. I'll share a little bit more in a minute, but there's some bits that, that, are, that are our responsibility, that are our, our bit to, to raise and give towards. And I'll tell you a little bit about those in a moment. But um, I want to look at together on this journey in a story we find in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah. So if you've got a Bible with you, we're in the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, to give you a bit of context for this one. So in the Old Testament, God's people, God said to them, they said, I want to bless you and do great things, but you need to live this way and you need to worship me. Now, again and again and again, they didn't live that way, and they didn't worship him. So eventually, the consequence was what God said, that they were exiled, so that this promised land that they'd been in, they were actually taken away by another power, and they went somewhere else. Now, because God is kind and loving and gracious, when, when God's people repented and, and turned back, he said, okay, you can come back. And lots of them went back from the place that they were in exile, back to Jerusalem. You still with me? But a few of them say where they were. And this guy, Nehemiah, was one of those people. So he had quite an important job. He was the cupbearer to the emperor of the Babylonian Empire. It was a place, a position of real trust. He was one of the few people in the known world at the time who had the ear of the emperor. And some friends of his came to visit from Jerusalem. And, and, and he, he said, tell me about Jerusalem. How is it going back in the city of our ancestors, in, in a place that God, God promised? How is, how is it all going? And they said, well, it's not going great, actually. They're saying that our, our walls for the, for the city, the city walls are still in ruins. There's no gates. There's no sense of security. There's no sense of God's favor on us. There's no sense of identity. People are looking down on us, and it's actually quite hard there. And then when Nehemiah heard these reports, something stirred in him. He thought, that's not okay, that that the land that was promised to our people, that, that the city of God, Jerusalem, is, is in ruins. That, that, that's, that's not okay. Could I do something about it? He was stirred. It says, the verse will come up, in Nehemiah 1 verse 4, he writes, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
there was something when he heard how bad things were that got him. He thought, no, they can't just be there. They need to be thriving. This isn't, this isn't all right. And I suppose a bit of our story is a little bit like that. Um, for Kath and I, when we, when we were first exploring the idea of coming, coming to, to lead a church here in Swindon, um, we, we came to visit, it was about two and a half years ago, and actually we were surprised by the sense of community, by the sense of creativity, and we learned more about the innovation and so many brilliant things that, that are here in Swindon. But we also saw some of the challenges. We saw the chronic loneliness in Swindon. We saw some of the social challenges that we're facing. We saw that actually as Swindon's grown and grown by thousands of homes each year, actually that the church hasn't quite kept up. And while there's brilliant things happening, um, we're about half the national average for church attendance here in Swindon. And the more we heard, the more that something stirred in us. And actually that's continued to grow, that sense of, come on, could we do something here? Could we help rebuild something here in this town? And then um, what Nehemiah does, if you find it in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, he, he goes to the emperor and says, could I go back to the city of my ancestors to try and do something there? It's a great risk to ask the emperor. He could well have been killed. He could have said no. It could have gone very badly. But actually the emperor said, yeah, you, you, it's like, I see that passion in you. You can go. In fact, actually, I'll, I'll help you. And he does a sort of like an Amazon order to get some trees there so they can do some building. And, um, and back goes Nehemiah. And he sees for himself the devastation. He sees for himself just the general sadness, the heaviness, the, the lack of, of fire in God's people, the fact that, that the city's in ruins. And he starts to gather some of the leaders. And he says, guys, could we do something together? And the leaders kind of catch a bit of that fire and they say, let's start rebuilding the walls. And so they begin to do it. They begin to do it. And you know, I'm just so encouraged, blown away actually. And it's not like we're starting from scratch. There's been brilliant people doing incredible things in Swindon for many years. God is on the move here. But um, I've been blown away by you guys actually, just getting involved with this. Like, on, we had alpha training at my house this, this week. There was like 30-something of us in, in my lounge, people who are giving their time for the next 11 weeks to love people, to welcome them into the family, to journey with them as they come with their questions, exploring faith. I just think, wow, guys are starting to serve. Or some of our, our pattern group leaders and hosts who are journeying with guys who come out of Alpha to, 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 to try and go on this journey to see them step into all that God's got for them. Or one of my favorite moments on a Sunday morning is at about 9.28. We've just had our, we're coming to the end of our prayer meeting. You're all welcome, 9.15 every Sunday. And, and we, we get in this big circle. We do like a, a huddle. We put, we put an arm around a person on either side. And you've got the guys who come to volunteer for the children's team and the youth team on a Sunday and the worship and production and the hosting team and, 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 and the staff team and a few others who just come to pray and cheer us on. I'm just thinking, Wow. Guys are starting to do this. 
People are giving of themselves to see something happen. I feel so just encouraged by that. And if you're not serving, we talked about that last week, but I'd love you to have a think about how you might serve here. Or people who've started getting involved with Safe Families for Children, a charity that we're partnering with to help some of the some families need extra support in our town. People who are praying. Alpha Prayer kicks off again a week on Wednesday. Every other Wednesday night, praying for Alpha. Um, People who are inviting people. So we did, a, 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 about two and a half months ago, we did, we did a survey on a Sunday morning. Who, who filled in the form for us? We did a survey of people at church, right? And there was one thing we discovered that absolutely just blew me away, right? We asked the question, um, how many of you would be happy to invite a friend along? And 98% of you said, I'd be happy to bring a friend to Alpha. And then we asked, to push it a little bit more, how many of you have invited a friend along to Patton Church on a Sunday? 87% of you have invited a friend along. 87 of the people who filled in our survey, who call Patton Church their home, have invited a friend along to church. I'm blown away by that. Well done. I'm proud of you. And not everyone's come, that's fine. But people, you're risking your friendship. You're risking your your relational capital you're trusting us with your friends neighbors colleagues thank you i'm really proud of you great job people are starting to get it that actually we need to invite people in if we want to see transformation in their lives i'm so encouraged we're talking a bit about money today there's there's 45 people i get higher and higher this whole sermon so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like i'm gonna be sounding like um i don't know joe pasquale by the time we finish this message there was a current reference, wasn't there? Um, we've got 45 people or units, families, groups, couples who are giving them, who are giving every single month to Patton Church. And they range. Some of them are less than five pounds a week. Some of them are a few hundred pounds a month as people are able. But I'm so encouraged as people are giving from what they have to, to, to see God move here. That's so encouraging. And that's what happened with, um, with Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 3. It's one of my new favorite, favorite chapters actually in the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 3. Oh, where's Nehemiah gone? And um, I love it because it's basically a list of people who got involved with rebuilding this wall. And um, if, you, if you've got it in your Bibles, I won't put it up because it's, it's hilarious. But it just, it just goes through. This is how the, how the wall was built. Are the high priests, well, they built one section. The men of Jericho, the next section. Zachar built the next section. The clan of, of Hassanah built the next section. Um, Merimoth, they built the next section. And it, the entire chapter 3 of Nehemiah is a list. I've counted 39, but I'm not great at counting. 39 different groups who each built a section of the wall. These guys built a section. These guys built a section. These guys built a section, all named by name. I, you saw, I sort of feel for like the one group who didn't. Like, they sort of skipped that one. They thought, no, you know, it's not going to work. And everyone else's name was talking about them two and a half thousand years later. And that they missed out on that one. But um, they all built a section. This is how it happened. It wasn't, it wasn't Nehemiah's dancing around and, and, and telling people what to do or making it happen or clicking their fingers and, and suddenly it, it worked or they brought in a big bunch from... From the Babylonian lot to do it for them. No, everyone played a role. Everyone played a role. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. They faced criticism. 
People laughed at them. There's one point, we read about it in um, Nehemiah 4, verse 16 to 17, where they were under genuine threat of attack, the point where half of them would build and half of them would stay on guard to defend people who were trying to attack them and stop them building this wall. And even the half who were building did it with a sword strapped to their side, just in case someone came and they had to defend it. That was what they were facing. They faced difficulties. And who knows anything worthwhile is going to face difficulties. Anything you try and do that's worthwhile will face difficulties. Any sense of calling you have in your life, there will be a challenge. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, with this building, the plan was to be in the building when we launched the church. And then the plan was to be in for September. And then the plan was to be in for our birthday, 1st of December. I mean, keep praying, but that's not looking likely. And then, you know, there's challenges. That everything takes longer. There's people involved. And then... Um, that's how it is, and it's more expensive than we first thought it was going to be. And there are challenges, and that is how it always is. But, are you ready for this? Nehemiah 6, verse 15 to 16, you've got to pull it up on the screen. It says, after 52 days of work, the entire wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, Elul when our enemies in the surrounding nations heard this. They realized they'd lost face since everyone knew that the work had been done with God's help. And then when everyone joins him, we see amazing things. When everyone joins him, joins with what God is doing, we see amazing things. You know, this is a God thing, but as we play our part, we see amazing things. We see amazing things. And part of being family at, at, at Patton Church, the kind of the three things we think about is we all pray, we all serve, we all give. And all of those look very different for each one of us, depending on circumstances, experience, where we are. But um, what's the part that we could play? So the bit for us right now, for Patton Church... Our bit of the wall, I guess, if you're looking at it that way, is the PA system and the AV. There's a lot of pillars at the Patton Church. We need to put up a fair few screens so people can actually see what's going on. And the AV, so it can sound great. It's the kitchen. It's the, um, the kind of temporary dividers for the children's spaces. It's the chairs. And it's the slide. Ask someone who was here last week about why we need a slide. Um, that's our bit. And if we were to do all of it, it comes to about £180,000. So that's our target for this morning. <laughs> um, so a friend of mine um, went to Jerusalem recently. And they, um, they sort of went around the side of this one temple. And, and, and he, he looked at, at the brickwork. And what struck him was just how sort of random and ununiform it was. It's not like when, um, when, when we build houses, you build them out of whatever, you build them out of breeze blocks, the same size, same shape, same everything. It just wasn't like that. So there was very different, different shaped stones. Some were quite big, some were quite small. There was one that was huge. And maybe today, you could be a huge stone in this building work, in what we're doing. 
Maybe you're in a position to do that today. But there were also some absolutely tiny ones that were just filling gaps. And maybe today you want to be a part of it, but for, 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 because of life you can just be a teeny tiny stone. Well, we've got some big stuff. I mean, the slide, I told you it was expensive. I'll tell you the figure. It is mouthwateringly expensive. And I, I pushed our architect. Is there not someone who could do it cheaper? And she said, well, it can't because it's, it's, we, we, we weren't allowed to build a bigger hole because it's a grade two listed building. And so the hole's the hole we've got, which is actually miraculous because we didn't, th didn't think there was a hole there, but we found one. <laughs> we, we didn't make it, I promise. It was already there. And it's, it's a bespoke piece, and it needs to be whatever safety. Anyway, so just, you're all sitting down already, so it's okay. The slide's about 17,000 pounds. I know. It's a lot of money. But actually, like, I guarantee you, there will be people who say, I came to church expecting it to be stuffy, expecting it to need to be quiet, expecting my kids to be, to be silent. And we came down the slide... And we knew that was a place for us. That's going to happen. Or maybe you want to buy us a screen so that, so that people can come and, and see what's going on and they can engage. Um, and the, the screens, we need at least four of them. They range, the small ones are 500 pounds, the big ones are 2,000 pounds. Maybe you could buy a screen today. Or we need about 11 speakers. And they range between 800 and 1,500 pounds. Maybe you want to buy one of those. Or maybe you and a couple of friends could club together. Or the chairs, right? The chairs are about 100 pounds each. We'd love about 300 chairs. So maybe you could buy a chair today. And just think, when we're sharing stories about people whose lives have been changed, when people are, people are, t are talking about that, you could say, oh, yeah, actually, that was a chair I bought. Because I bought a chair, that person had somewhere to sit when they came on a Sunday. And I've been part of their story. Or maybe you're thinking, Joel, £100 is just even beyond me. Well, these, these cables, these XLR cables, they cost about 20 quid. Maybe you could buy half a cable, or you and a friend could club together and buy a cable. We need about 50 of those to, um, to, to make this work. Maybe that's a part you could play. We also want to buy lights. We want to buy a kitchen. Um, yeah, the temporary dividers. We all play a part. Just, I know, just go with me for a minute in your imagination to like, I don't know, a Wednesday night, right? Go with me to a Wednesday night in a, in a year or two's time. You come to the patent store and downstairs there's Alpha with people exploring faith for the first time, people bringing questions. Um, they're downstairs around tables exploring this. They're on that journey. But then on the ground floor, you've got, in one of the rooms, like a money course. People exploring how to, how to do finances well. And you've got next to that, you've got a, a bereavement course, helping people who are having a really tough time find life, find hope after the darkness. You've got a parent and teenager course in, in, in the other room on, on, on the ground floor. And then you go upstairs, and maybe there's youth alpha running, or maybe it's, maybe it's a marriage course, supporting people across our town. And then... And, and each of them are being, are being fed by wonderful food from our lovely kitchen that you guys have made happen. Each one of them being hosted well. Each one of them sitting on a chair. Each one of them actually has a room to be in. A few of them have gone, down, gone to Alpha down the slide. And um, just, just imagine, like, someone having a tough time, they come on the money course. 
on a Wednesday night. They see all this other stuff happening. It's like, what is this place? What's even going on here? Someone shares, well, actually, we're a church. Maybe you want to come on Alpha next term, find out a little bit more. And they come on Alpha, and it looks great because it's because you guys have, have, have helped us buy the stuff we need. It sounds great. And so they can hear what's going on. And then um, I think maybe I'll pop in on a Sunday. And they come in on a Sunday, and they're welcomed by you guys. And they feel right at home. They join the family. They, they, they make a friend. They carry on into one of our pattern groups. And then two years later, on a Wednesday night, they're leading one of our alpha groups. And, um, and you guys have done it. With, when everyone joins him, we can see amazing things. And people are sharing stories about how this funny old building that used to be a, a, a railway warehouse via butlers in the buff, became a church, and now it's a hub where they find Jesus, where they find life, where they find transformation, where they find healing. There's 200,000 people in Swindon who aren't in church this morning. This could be a place where they could find transformation, where they could find life. You know, whenever I'm on the first floor, we talk about the first floor as a youth floor, I just, I just start to, I just, it's a surprise. <laughs> I just start to see this army of young people with all their questions, loneliness and stuff around identity and who am I in this world and, and a bunch of young people in our town with, with not a great deal of aspiration and not a great sense of the fact that they were made in the image of God. And I just see them just filling up our youth floor, jumping around and bringing questions about life. And um, can you see it? Can you see it? And yeah, we want to do out the building and make it nice, but it's not to make a nice building, it's to see the town come alive. And this isn't the only brilliant things happening in the town. There's loads of great things. But this is our bit, really. This is our bit of the wall. Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 9, uh, chapter 9, no, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 7. It's, um, so Paul's writing to the church in Corinth saying, there's an opportunity to, to support another church in Macedonia. Do you want to be a part of it? This is what he says. He says, you should each give then, as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. Other translations say cheerful giver. My favorite one says hilarious givers. So if you're feeling like this morning this isn't for you, that's absolutely fine. No one has to give. You give it as you've decided, not with regret or out of sense of duty, but... Really, because we've got a chance that, I mean, we're not going to write a list of who's given, so, so, but actually, the Lord is going to be going to write a bit of a Nehemiah 3 for us. Who's doing our bit? Who's doing their bit? And today is a bit of an indicator, actually, about calling for us. If we don't get enough in to do all the things, we'll, we'll slow it down a bit. We'll do things a little bit different. We'll find some seats, and we'll get the LPA system out, and we'll make it work. But wouldn't it be amazing if come December the 20th, 22nd, come on, if we're in there, 
and it's beautiful and we're welcoming people well and we've got a kitchen that does the job. People can come on a slide. If each one of us does our stone, plays our part, and imagine if we do all jump in with this, we, we do kind of chuck our stone in whatever size that is today. The sense of kind of connection and investment we're going to have in what God's doing here and the joy that we're going to be a part of as, um, as the building comes together and people find hope and family and Jesus there, as lives are transformed, as we see the church grow younger, not older, under our watch, as we see more Christians in our town, not less, while we're the church here, as, um, as we see a thousand baptisms, we're going again next week, but we're dreaming of a thousand as we see an army of young people running after Jesus, as we see a church that makes a difference to some of the social issues in our town, as we see a church who plants churches, who plant churches in different parts of Swindon. And I can say, I was all in. I did my bit. Because when everyone joins him, we see amazing things.